Hi James, welcome on today's episode of the Enabled in Academia podcast. We're really excited to have you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, Thanks for inviting me onto the podcast. Uh, I'm really looking forward to our conversation today about uh, disability and history, particularly with Disability History Month having just passed. Yeah, exactly. Um, So normally when I first start off, um, I always tell all my guests if they're able to tell us their greatest academic accomplishment and the sort of their academic background and research interests. Yeah, happy to talk about that. Um, so I'm a historian and early career researcher, uh, primarily focused on British and American political history. Uh, for the past few years, I've been working on my PhD based in the Department of History at King's, um, roughly looking at the influence of America on public debates about franchise reform in Britain in the mid-19th century. Um, Generally, my research interests are kind of anything to do with the history of political reform, uh, especially in debates about the franchise and who has the right to vote. Um, I'm really interested in what shapes public discourse, working across a variety of media and sources, from uh, newspapers and periodicals to things like travel literature, works of political philosophy, collection speeches and parliamentary debates, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess my greatest academic accomplishment has to be that I've just completed my PhD and I'm now officially a Doctor of Philosophy and History, uh, which is still taking a bit of time getting used to saying that. It's a nice <laughs> feeling. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Congratulations. Sounds amazing. And, and yeah, I like sort of the sort of variety of source, source exposure that you're interested in. I think it definitely helps yes. form a broad analysis as well. Oh, definitely. I think when looking at public debate, you don't want to be reliant on just one kind of source material. It's often very good to look at what people are talking about in different avenues, different forms of media, because sometimes you'll notice certain types of commentary are more prevalent in sometimes the sources than others. Mm-hmm. James? Yep, yep, still here. Okay, good. Um, so, yeah, that sounds absolutely excellent. Um, all your research interests sound really, like, I would say, like, I like the way that it's sort of political because I feel like politics does definitely link to disability as well, sort of disability policy incorporation. Oh, completely. I completely agree with that. Yeah, and especially it has some of a national and sort of a level of international focus as well. Yes, definitely. The, the kind of the, the field of transnational history, looking at how developments in one country can affect another, is really interesting, I think. And that's also where public debate is quite useful uh, as, a, as an avenue of uh, exploration, because you've seen things like press commentary, how events in other countries are reported on, and how that affects debates that are going on within that country as well. Yes. And I know that King's is, is a very international university, so it's nice to have sort of the international inclusion aspect incorporated within today's yes. discussion too. Okay, so next question. Um, so let's discuss more, and then let's mention positive disabled role models in history, as it was just Disability History Month not too long ago. So maybe we can discuss British and international examples, which which could be interesting. 
Yeah, brilliant. Um, uh, there's lots of figures I could talk about, but I wanted to mention a few who are kind of particularly connected to my field of research, um, who I think are, are great examples of positive disabled role models in history. Uh, so the first one that came to mind was uh, William Cathy, who was a working class radical in the early Victorian London. Uh, he was born in 1788 uh, with a spinal deformity, uh, the son of a freed slave from the West Indies. Uh, he went on to become a leading figure in the Chartist movement. Uh, Chartism was uh, a working-class reform movement centred around the People's Charter, uh, which called for Britain's political system to become more democratic. Uh, he joined the Chartists in 1839 after being sacked from his job as a tailor, having joined a trade union and participating in a strike. Um, he's described as being a fluent and effective speaker, always popular with the working classes. He was reportedly a good singer and sang at a number of Chartist events. Mm -hmm. uh, he was involved in the Chartist Convention, which organised a demonstration on Kennington Common in 1848, where around 25,000 people uh, gathered to march to London and present their petition for democratic reform. Uh, the petition was rejected, and in the following months, he was arrested under the charge of conspiring to levy war against Queen Victoria. Uh, he maintained his innocence, but argued that the outcome of the trial was already a foregone conclusion. At this time, to serve as a juror, much like with voting, people had to meet a property qualification uh, in order to take part. So when the case came to court, he argued that this couldn't be a fair trial. Uh, a jury that was truly made up of his peers and equals would have had a much greater working class presence. Uh, facing a potential death sentence, he showed tremendous resilience and was not afraid to criticise both the government and the press. In the end of the age of 60, he was sentenced to transportation, which uh, practice that involved the relocation of convicted uh, criminal penal colonies, in this case, uh, Van Diemen's Land or, or Tasmania, as we would call it today. He wasn't alone. Many Chartist leaders were arrested during the campaign, and a number were also sentenced to transportation. However, um, he not only survived the harsh sea voyage, but once in Australia, he became immersed in local politics, campaigning for democracy and better conditions for servants, as well as against the practice of transportation. He was later given a, a pardon in 1856, but he decided to stay there. I think that story of a, of a mixed race, disabled working class leader uh, and how significant he was to social and political movements, both sides of the globe, really resonates today. Um, I thought of it when reading about uh, the post office scandal recently. I'm sure people will have heard about mm -hmm. um, the campaign to overturn the wrongful conviction of over 700 sub-postmasters. I think Cuffey was someone who always fought for the rights of people, and I think that's a, a really inspiring role model figure. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Not just like in Britain, but abroad as well. Yes, exactly. Uh, having that impact, not just in Britain, but in Australia too, uh, I think it's a really inspiring story. Mm -hmm. And sort of having that like mobility um, capability aspect as well. Yes, exactly. With an SEN condition, it's very impressive, I would say. Definitely. Uh, I think it's a really inspiring story. Mm -hmm. um, there's a couple of other figures I could talk about. Um, another one is uh, Rosa May Billinghurst. Uh, she was an important member of the suffragette movement, uh, which campaigned for votes for women in the early 20th century. Mm -hmm. um, born in 1875 as a child, she suffered from polio, uh, which resulted in paralysis from waist down. Uh, for the rest of her life, she re relied on the use of a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. uh, as a young woman, she worked in a workhouse in Greenwich. Uh, workhouses were a form of poor relief that offered accommodation and employment for the poorest in society, but the conditions were often very harsh. 
Uh, it was that experience that led her in 1907 to join the Women's Social and Political Union, or the WSBU. Mm-hmm. She was heavily involved in the movement, and her wheelchair actually became part of the symbols and imagery of the campaign. Uh, during March, she would decorate it in flowers and ribbons in the colours of the union, uh, which were purple, white, and green. Uh, like many suffragettes, she was imprisoned for militant activity. Uh, listeners may have heard of the hunger strikes, but suffragettes were to take while in prison. Um, the horrible practice of force feeding that followed. Um, she endured that while in prison and upon her release, jumped straight back into the campaign. In May 1914, she took part in a large demonstration outside Buckingham Palace mm-hmm. uh, when a group of women attempted to breach the palace gates in order to present their votes for an petition to the king. Alongside others, she attempted to chain herself and her wheelchair to the palace railings. Uh, eventually, after the First World War, the Parliament Act of 1918 would give some women the vote with a further act in 1928. Uh, but I think, again, that story of a, a disabled suffragette, her commitment to feminism and equal rights makes her a, a really positive disabled role model in history. Absolutely. It's very intersectional, I would say, like an intersectional feminist yes. example because of the disability aspect and the women leadership aspect. Exactly. And praise. So that is such an interesting example, especially for today as well. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, but the, one other figure kind of sprung to mind, uh, the name Harriet Tubman, which uh, I'm sure some people will have heard of. Uh, she was an icon of the abolitionist movement in the United States. Uh, she played a crucial role during the American Civil War. Yeah. Uh, after escaping slavery, she was a key figure in the Underground Railroad, a network of secret routes and safe houses that acted to help enslaved African-Americans escape uh, states that practiced slavery. She personally helped rescue around 70 people. During the Civil War, she acted as a scout for the Union Army, becoming the first woman to lead a a major military operation in the U.S. Mm -hmm. Um, And after the abolition of slavery, she went on to campaign for women's suffrage and human rights. But what people might not know, perhaps makes her achievements even more remarkable, is that in early life she suffered a a traumatic head wound. Uh, For the rest of her life, she was affected by epileptic seizures, dizziness, pain, and narcolepsy. Uh, That kind of uh, almost like a chronic pain type of condition. Uh, I think that her disability, uh, like that of other black disabled historical figures, is often left out of her narrative, uh, but it formed an important part of her lived experience and perhaps makes her an even more positive role model in history. Mm-hmm. And there are there used to be like so many disabled um, monarchs as well in history as well, isn't there? Yes, uh, you, you, I mean, anyone that's... Uh, Watched something like Bridgerton, for example, of seeing the, the depiction of George III uh, and, and his experiences with mental health. Um, is an, another example, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I guess that why I chose this particular topic and this particular narrative for today's podcast episode was because during Disability History Month, um, which was last month, and I was in some articles for KCL kings and i also was doing some other podcast episodes and i kept saying that i really think that disabled people need to sort of be occasionally praised for their sort of triumphs like they are able to perform the same work as their non-disabled counterparts but obviously they do have sometimes they have physical constraining barriers and they still are motivated and perform the same tasks and just like a little bit of praise or like media recognition or higher education institution in recognition can be really nice and really uplifting i think definitely i agree with you anything that kind of um highlights the important role that uh disabled people have 
played in history, I think, is really important. Mm -hmm. And I think that during sort of the secondary school, high school curriculum, like the disabled aspect isn't really mentioned sometimes as much. No, I, I'd agree with you there. I think definitely thinking about uh, the experiences that most of us will have gone through in secondary education, there's not as much focus on uh, history of disabled groups as well as the contribution that disabled people have made in history. I think that's definitely something that we expanded upon more. Yeah, and sort of touching up upon this, so next question now, how do you think that disability recognition and inclusion could be potentially improved in higher ed sectors? Yeah, it's a great question. It's something that I thought a lot about. Um, alongside my PhD, uh, I also served as an academic representative on the King's Doctoral Students Association for three years. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyone that doesn't know, that's part of the student union, but specifically for postgraduate research. Yeah. Uh, in that role, one of the things I worked with others, uh, other researchers and members of academic and professional staff was uh, trying to ensure that some of the advances made in the past few years maybe haven't been lost. Um, I know it seems strange to talk about the, the benefits of the pandemic, if, if you want to call it that, but it seems to me that the entire working model is changing. People don't need to be on site as much. A, f- a few years ago, no one had heard of teams, and yet now it plays such an important role. Um, during the pandemic, we saw uh, training courses for researchers move to either webinars or on-demand modules that people could experience in their own time and fit in better around their lives. I think thinking about the, the greater accessibility of all this online software offers, I think it's important that those advantages aren't lost. Um, I think there's a sort of a understanding the importance of in-person things too, but there's a, I think there's a balance to be made there that the hybrid model offers. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think post-COVID um, definitely sort of helped uh, enhance that realisation that sometimes an, an initiative that could be useful for only the SCN community, could be useful, or disabled community, could be useful for many people in general. And sort Absolutely. Of like, yeah, and uh, sort of an overall solution. Sometimes this used to happen with technology innovations. Um, as I was, I've mentioned before in other podcasts that some things like texting, for instance, was only um, first invented for members of the hearing impaired community, but then it ended up being an overall solution for everyone really completely yeah yeah okay so before we go now do you have any further reading recommendations or any sort of podcasts or websites we could look at etc yeah definitely there's a few things i can think of um if people are looking for a a few good books there's uh disability in industrial britain Mm -hmm. uh, a cultural and little literary history of impairment in the coal industry which only came out a few years ago uh it's online uh, available via the uh, library web pages. Uh, there's also uh, No Limits for Disabled People's Movement, A Radical History by Judy Hunt, which traces the radical history of the disabled people's movement. Mm-hmm. Um, you can find that by visiting the website Disability Rights UK. Uh, you can get it for free, a link for free. Um, it was spotlighted as part of Disability History Month. Um, the Institute of Historical Research also offers uh, really good collections around disability history, as well as obviously the, the official UK Disability History Month website. Um, and then thinking just generally about resources within King's to support researchers, uh, there's the EGR Disability Support Hub, which is part of the overall EGR Wellbeing Hub, which uh, I'm sure people will be familiar with that. Uh, 
and then just brilliant arts and humanities generally there's the uh, what's called the postgraduate research student handbook mm-hmm. uh, which is really regularly maintained and you can find lots of useful links and resources by that well that's again available on the um, internal web pages and I'm sure other faculties have uh, similar equivalents yes absolutely thank you so much for appearing on today's episode of the enabled academia podcast james it was lovely having you and again i found it so exciting and significant to speak to an active sort of historical researcher about this topic and sort of someone that does first-hand research in a way about certain historical topics and political topics to sort of give insight on this issue it was really useful i think thank you for having me on and for being such a great host i hope people have found it enjoyable great